This is a presentation of Northeast Streaming Sports. Good morning. You're listening to the Mac and Jack Sports Show on Northeast Streaming Sports. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Mac and Jack Sports Show uh, Thursday edition. I'm your host, Mac, with your co-host, legendary boxing writer and our sports guru, Jack Hirsch. And we're going to get to we're going to start uh, off the show uh, with, with some off field stuff, Jack, that, that we're still speculating what's going to happen uh, the upcoming year. And of course, Rogers and Brady are always on everyone's mind, Jack. What are they going to do? Are they going to stay? Are they going to go? Um, you know, what teams are they uh, possibly going to go to? What are your thoughts on Rogers, Jack? Is he staying in Green Bay? You know, Aaron Rodgers has been a favorite of mine, but I'm get I'm getting sick of this. I'm absolutely getting sick of this, you know, off season drama. I actually supported him before this last year, the year before, because the Packers had moved up to draft Jordan Love in the first round. And when you do that, you're telling your franchise quarterback who's arguably the you know, maybe the biggest icon in Packer history, not counting the coach, you know, of course, Vince Lombardi or Curly Lambeau, but as a player, arguably, okay, that would be another discussion to have. You're basically putting him on the clock. And this is when he still has what it takes. You know, he sees that you have your succession plan. You don't move up in the first round and draft a player unless you're planning on playing him. And that's what the Packers did with Jordan Love. They were planning. They, that, that was a signal they were set to move on from Aaron Rodgers in the year two. So I supported him complaining about the Pack organization. He played hardball with them. He pushed them to the limit. He really did. But, Mac, when you win two MVP awards in a row, you can get away with that. Now the season ends. Aaron Rodgers, Mac, did not have a good season. Packers didn't make the playoffs. They underachieved. Aaron Rodgers is still doing talking the talk, but he's not doing. Didn't do the walk last year. He right. didn't dedicate himself. He didn't have voluntary workouts with the receivers. And so what happens? He's back at it again. Well, I'll see whether this is a good fit for me. He didn't use those exact words. I don't want to be part of a rebuild. The Packers didn't say they were rebuilding. They're not going to rebuild. They might reboot. You can win when you're rebooting, okay? You're kind of making changes on the fly. And Aaron Rodgers, he's not buying all in. They gave him the richest contract in NFL history per year to keep him. And he's still complaining. I'm sick of it, Mac. Yeah. I'm sick of it to the point that I even agree with Stephen A. on something he said. That's right. how bad it is with Aaron Rodgers. Wow. Uh, we got we got a good friend of mine, Jack, that's that's uh, watching us right now. Greg Wright. And he's a, a unbelievable cook. He, he, I worked with him in, in, at, at a restaurant. He's, uh, he's uh, cooked uh, for the governor. I mean, he's a really good cook. I love you, Greg, too. Good morning. Uh, he says hello, Jack. Hey, Greg. What's 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 a specialty, Mac? Does he have a, a special specialty dish? Yeah, it's 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 southern, uh, like a southern food, Jack. He cooks uh, uh, a lot of chicken and uh, and uh, 
um, grits and he does a lot of that stuff. He does a great job. He's a great cook. Mm -hmm. So he owns his own restaurant. So he's, he's really doing really well. And uh, he's a big Lions fan. We went to, we went to, uh, uh, to see a Lions game uh, at Giant Stadium together. So he's a big Lions fan. We actually went and uh, saw a game together where the Giants beat the Lions, of course, which was fun for me. And as Greg says, it's soul food, Jack. So that's what his special his specialty is. So, so Greg, thanks for, for coming on and, and, and saying hi. You know, I love you, dude. So, okay, so Rodgers, Rodgers did get paid a lot of money. There was talk of him going to the Jets, and I, you know, I don't think the Jets really should should trade or sign Rodgers. They would have to trade for him. You got a lot of young players there, Jack. Uh, I wouldn't give up any young players or any future draft picks for Aaron Rodgers, especially with the way he is, because he he doesn't seem to enjoy working with young players. Wait, 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 Matt, Matt. Let's not get a little carried away here. We're still talking about Aaron Rodgers. I can understand you're not giving away certain young players. You're not going to trade Sauce Gardner in any deal for Aaron Rodgers. You're not going to trade Garrett Wilson. I can understand that. But if you can get Aaron Rodgers for your number one draft choice, let's say give up a number one and a number two, even a number three, you're not to get Aaron Rodgers. You mean you wouldn't do that? If you could keep the players you have on your team intact now and it's just draft choices, I, I'm not, I can't say I agree with you on that, Mac. But I don't, the Packers for Aaron Rodgers are going to want a big haul in return. And it, they're going, the team that's going to want Aaron Rodgers because he's an older player is a team that might be on the cusp of winning something. They need that just one big move. It might even be the San Francisco 49ers. If they're to lose to Dallas this week, they might look forward and say, look, Brock Purdy did a heck of a job for us. We still have Trey Lance. We have two young quarterbacks, but neither are truly on Rodgers' level. And Aaron Rodgers could be the one difference maker. The Dolphins, if they have doubts about Tua's health, I mean, you never know. If Lamar, I mean, there's so many possibilities out there. Yeah. Tom Brady could leave Tampa. Maybe Rogers could go there. I mean, these are long these are long shot scenarios. But if I'm the Packers, I'm the organization, Mac, I don't put up with any of this. I lay it on the line to Rogers. I have him come in the office and I say, Aaron, we want you to be our guy. We really do. We want to stand one hundred percent behind you. But you have to buy all in 100%. If you're wavering at all, then we have to look, you know, to make a deal for you to go elsewhere because it's it would be best for you and best for us. We want you to buy all in, okay? We have your back. We're 100% supportive, but it only has to be under that condition. And if Rogers can't come out forcefully saying he wants to be a Packer the rest of his career, you know, Forget about it. I mean, move on at this point. I mean, yeah. enough, enough is enough with yeah. Aaron Rodgers. I, I, I think there's way too many quarterbacks out there that the Jets could get than, than to give up draft choices for Aaron Rodgers. You got guys that you could just sign, Jack. I mean, you, you've got Derek Carr, who they just let go. You don't have to, you don't have to waste any draft picks. You don't have to waste any players. 
to get him. You still got. I Jimmy think Gold there might be some compensation for Carr, but with that said, it it would be a mistake, Mac, yeah. going for Derek Carr. It's ba- it, it, would he improve the Jets' quarterback position? Yeah, a little bit. He's not the type of quarterback who you're counting on as a franchise quarterback to take you to the Super Bowl. He's just not that good, Mac. How many times do I have to yeah. tell you about Derek Carr? You're pointing to his stats. I'm pointing to how he's actually performed on the field. Stats are misleading. Mac, do you know when the uh, Denver Broncos under Peyton Manning got trounced in the Super Bowl by the Seattle Seahawks, Peyton Manning set a passing record in that game. But it was a miserable outing for him. But if you turn to the stats, they're very deceiving. I mean, forget Derek Carr. I, let me repeat it over and over. He is not that good. It's an a, a complete illusion. Again, I'll say to you, he passed for 4,000 yards last year. They caught him the Raiders. They shot I know they did. So, I know they was did. So but that wasn't, that wasn't because of his performance, Jack. That it was because of his performance. His performance was not good at all. Oh, and it hasn't God. been good, really good oh, over the years. God. Jack, Jack, I, we're just going to disagree on that. No matter how, how many They times. got him Devontae Adams, one of the elite receivers, his college teammate. And that right. doesn't even help him out. Listen, there is Derek Carr an upgrade from Mike White? Probably. I'd rather right. have him than Mike White. Okay? And if you're going to move on from Zach Wilson, and now you got to look at Mike White or what's this other guy from the Canadian League, Strebler. Yeah, I, I prefer Derek Carr with those guys. But you know what? If you're looking to put a band-aid that potentially have a quarterback. I would sooner have Baker Mayfield than Derek Carr. You know, because yeah. Baker May because if you if you're getting Derek Carr, this is a difference, Mac, between Derek Carr and Baker Mayfield. If you're getting Derek Carr, the perception is you're committing to him as your franchise quarterback. That's the perception for now on. We made a decision. This is our quarterback for now on. Then when it fails. It, you know, the repercussions are terrible. But if you get Baker Mayfield, the perception is, well, we'll wait and see with Baker. We're giving him a shot to be the starting quarterback. If it works out, great. If it doesn't work out, okay, then we'll look at, you know, another option. So it's the repercussions aren't nearly as bad. You go with Baker Mayfield. And keep this in mind, Mac, you even said this about the Cleveland Browns when they had Baker Mayfield. They were one bad official's call away from maybe yeah. going to a Super Bowl with Baker yes, Mayfield. That's true. That's true. And before they got Sean Watson, you know, there was a lot of talk of the Browns going to sign Baker Mayfield to a long-term deal, meaning he showed he could do a job over a period of time. Is right. he the ideal quarterback for me for the Jets? No. No, far from it. But I think, to me, he's a better option than Derek Carr. Well, Craig is kind of poking fun, saying you don't believe in Wilson. What about Flacco? So he's he's kind of he's kind of he's kind of fooling around there. No, 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 no. Let me say something. I want Wilson to be the starting quarterback next year. I want them really? to work with him. I want we're going to take our lumps, but I want him to be on the field. They keep working with him, keep improving him, get him to where he has to get to. That's the only way. You have to play a Mac. 
You have to let him grow. You have to let him make mistakes. It was atrocious the way the coaching staff, the organization handled Wilson. And I, but with that said, I think the Jets are going to have no choice to move off from Wilson. Because if yeah. you're going to sign one of these named quarterbacks, how do you keep Wilson on the team? Well, what's the purpose? You don't, Jack. You, you, he's, he'll be gone next year, I, I, I feel anyway. Good morning, Excalibur. How you doing this morning? Thanks for, for morning. joining us. Uh, the uh, second quarterback, of course, that's always in the news is Tom Brady, Jack. Tom Brady, of course, uh, you know, he had terrible year. The, the Buccaneers looked terrible. Um, you know, uh, I mean, I don't know what you think about whether he should retire, <laughs> whether he should stay. Um, should he end up going to the Raiders or maybe Miami? Uh, what's your thoughts on uh, Tom Brady? You know what people don't consider to with Tom Brady's situation? <clears throat> they don't consider his kids. Brady, is, by all reports, is a good dad, wants to be close with his kids. His kids live in Florida. I mean, if he's playing elsewhere, you know, how is he going to see them? How is he going to have that communication now? The Bay Area, that's where he's from. His parents are from there. He has sisters from there. So he does have family in the area. So if he plays there, maybe work something out where his kids live there in the offseason. But you have to uproot your kids at that point. And he's in the Tampa area now. That could play a big role in why he might stay with Tampa. Or you could talk about Miami, not that far from Tampa. Right. You know, you could talk that possible option as well. The, the thing that would be appealing about the Las Vegas Raiders, okay? The Las Vegas Raiders. When I say the Bay Area, that would have to be the 49ers. But uh, it's Josh McDaniel. On a professional basis, Josh McDaniel was his offensive coordinator in New England for a lot, a lot of years. They had, by all accounts, an excellent relationship, excellent. And Brady knows Josh McDaniels. Josh McDaniels knows Brady. They'll get along great, okay? He's got Devontae Adams there. You know, he's got weapons, you know, yeah. if he played for the Raiders. The Raiders potentially could make a Super Bowl run if they put it all together. You know, they're kind right. of a dysfunctional group with all the close games that they lost. So, uh, you know, it's it's interesting. With Aaron Rodgers, I could say in all probability he'll stick with the Packers. But with Brady, it's a real, real wild card where he's going to stay. I mean, can Tampa Bay rebound? If Tom Brady believes Tampa Bay can rebound and win a Super Bowl again, that they've just had a lot of injuries, they have all the pieces in place, I don't see him going anywhere else. But if he thinks the Buccaneers are a little long in the tooth, he might decide, look, I just don't think we're really that good. And I want to, you know, win another Super Bowl. That's my goal. Yeah, I, I, I think he'll go to Miami because of the Tua situation. Uh, you know, I mean, we don't know if Tua, they're saying Tua will be back, but he gets hurt a lot. And I think if he goes there, he'll get that job. And Let Greg me ask you. Mac, Mac, if you're the Miami Dolphins, do you really want to move on from two and have Tom Brady? Consider this. Two is younger. Potentially, he could have a, more good years there at Miami than Brady. Now, with Tua, you're probably thinking in terms he's damaged goods with all 
the you know concussions you know the injury concerns and uh but if two is not hurt if two can play would you really not rather have tom brady than him at this point i wouldn't and and, and craig says he thinks time has another five years in him you know, I, I, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's possible. I yeah. mean, at, at times he looks really good, but at times you see him looking a little erratic, throwing some bad passes. And, uh, yeah, I mean, he might be right. Listen, five years. Well, you know, we don't have to look that far ahead. Does he have another co couple of good years? And then the Tom Brady situations, this, the only team he would have real serious value to would be a team that needs a quarterback to push them over the top, you know, with yeah. Super Bowl, serious Super Bowl aspirations. He's not going to go to a team like the Houston Texans. Let's say Tom Brady said, I want to play for the Houston Texans. You know, the what the Texans would probably do is say, yeah, Tom, play for us one year. They're going to draft the quarterback with their first pick either Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud. And they'll hold a clipboard behind Tom Brady and learn for a year. I mean, that would be that's But that scenario, would that make any sense for anyone involved? I don't, think so. I don't think so. I don't think so, Jack. Excalibur says something about Sun has yet to claim the day. I don't know what that means. So, uh, you know, you could try to, you know, explain that to me when you get a shot. Uh, so I don't know what's going on there. Um Let's get to the games, Jack. Uh, you know, last last week's games, San Francisco over Seattle, forty-one to twenty-eight. The Jags come from behind in an unbelievable finish, beating. Well, 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 what do we talk about? San Francisco over Seattle, and oh, okay, you said that, and then you go into the Jag game. I'm sorry. Yeah, man. yeah. So, well, so the Jags come from behind, uh, beat the Chargers, thirty-one to thirty. Buffalo. Uh, that was very competitive. A lot of people thought Buffalo were blowing away. They didn't. Buffalo wins 34 to 31. The Giants uh, get revenge on Minnesota. Uh, you know, uh, Jones has a great day. Barkley uh, catches and scores a couple touchdowns. Um, Cincinnati, again, in a little bit more competitive than people thought, beats Baltimore 24 to 17. <laughs> and Dallas finally gets rid of that burden off their shoulder. Uh, beating Tampa Bay 31 to 14, Jack. So let's start with San Francisco against Seattle. Um, Purdy has another great day. Um, you know, he's, I think he runs, let me get this here. He runs for, uh, he throws for three touchdowns. He scores one touchdown rushing. Um, what do you think, Jack? I mean, Purdy has done something no other last, the last pick in the draft has done. He's gone. He's won, I think, six games in a row now. And he's leading the San Francisco uh, team towards the Super Bowl. What do you think about that? He's managing the game, Mac. Don't, don't get overly excited over these backup quarterbacks. I mean, uh, Purdy is competent, okay? Competent, you know, and he's capable of. I don't want to say carrying the 49ers to a Super Bowl. He's not a difference maker. But he, you know, he gets the job done. You have McCaffrey and Samuel as your weapons. Yeah. I mean, you just have to dump the ball off a lot of the time. Yeah. You know, you have Trent Williams, maybe the best offensive lineman in the league, blocking there. 
he's done a heck of a job. And listen, if it continues, if they make, if they get to the Super Bowl hypothetically, even if they don't, I think the 49ers, you know, are going to give Purdy a good look as their starter next year. They're going to let him and Trey Lance come to camp, see how they both look. I know you're low on Trey Lance, but look, they gave up a lot to get him in the draft. Yeah. He was injured this year. They they want a definite answer on Trey Lance, a definite yeah. answer. And they're going to compare him and Purdy in training camp, and whoever looks better gets the job, and the other guy will be the backup, and that's fine. I mean, Purdy has been very good this year, very, very good. He's been a pleasant surprise. But a lot of times these backups who unexpectedly get to play a lot by default. In the long run, you see they're not, they're not your guy in the long run, Mac. They'll put together a half season in which they'll look good. You know, like the Washington Commanders. Oh, we got Tyler Henneke. What a competitor. He's this, he's that. And, and the Washington now needs a quarterback. Heineke played a lot. When they play a lot, eventually shortcomings come into play. You know, you, you play against an elite defense What you have the Jets with Mike White. All this talk, oh, what, how gritty, what a competitor. Players will swear by Mike White. What did Mike right. do? He had, what was he, one and two in his three games? Yeah. So the guy saw 10 doctors because he wanted to get clearance to play. So that makes him the ultimate competitor. Put Mike White in there. You know, yeah. and all that. Listen, I like the job Mike White did as a backup on balance. He did very well as a backup. But Purdy, he's playing the Dallas Cowboys. Let's see what type of big game he could play. I mean, if they lose to the Cowboys and Purdy struggles, what's that going to tell you? But, you know, if they win the game, did Purdy make a difference? Did he, did he create plays like a Patrick Mahomes could create plays? Or Josh Allen? Was he flushed out of the pocket? And did he buy time and hit a receiver downfield, showing great judgment? You know, per, listen, I know how negative I sound. Purdy's done a great job. I give him an A grade for what he's done this year. An A, okay? But the think that, wow, he's going to be the 49er. They found themselves their franchise quarterback now. I'm saying just, you know, just wait and see. Let him keep playing. It takes time. And then we'll get our answer. You know, you know, I think the main thing Purdy's done this year is not turn the ball over. He hasn't give, given the other team a chance to score or, or to get good field position uh, because he hasn't turned the ball over. He has a great team, Jack. There's no doubt about it. He's got a lot of weapons. Um, and and that's the way the 49ers want it. They they want to build uh, the team and then put the quarterback in with the team. It's not built around the quarterback. That's not what the 49ers do. So I think that – I think I think they will uh, – I think that, you know, I picked them to go to the Super Bowl. I still believe that they'll go to the Super Bowl. And I think it's a lot more to do with their defense and running game than than it will with Purdy because he really doesn't have to win the game at Jack. So that's he's in a great position. If yeah. I, would, I would love to be in Purdy's position right now. Let's talk and, about the and, listen. And if and, and if the 49ers, obviously, if they win the Super Bowl and Purdy has taken them through the Super Bowl, I don't have a quarterback competition next spring with Trey Lance. I just say Purdy is our starter. 
Lance is our backup. It's his job at that point. And, and, and keep in mind, he's a young quarterback. He could even improve. And you play to your team. You know, it, it, the style of play of the 49ers, Purdy's adjusted to it very well. Heck of a job. I give him an A. But I can't say, oh, I expect Purdy to necessarily be the quarterback of the Niners two years from now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Excalibur's, you know, he's interested in what happens with Tennessee, the Jets and others in the offseason at the quarterback position. There's so many quarterbacks out there, Excalibur. It's going to be very interesting. That and the coaches, too. There's a lot of things happening with the coaches. But before I get to, the, to that, let's let's talk about um, let's talk about the other quarterback in the game. Uh, you know, Geno Smith had a good game, Jack. He, 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 he threw for uh, 285 yards. He throws for a touchdown, two touchdowns with an interception. So he had a good game. He didn't play terrible. Um, what do you see for him next year? I think he stays with the Seahawks. Uh, but I know if another team offers him more money, he said he's gone. What do you if think? Another team, if another team offers him a seriously huge contract, <laughs> Uh, how do I put it? I don't want to say that it would be foolish on the part of the other team. Okay. Right. I was looking to be polite about it. It would be utter foolishness to offer Geno Smith a big quarterback contract. I mean, right. what other team is he going to make a difference with? Name one other team that Geno Smith, you have him, is going to make a major difference. Look, Geno Smith, the last seven years before this year, was a backup. Right. basically a backup. So I don't want to hear about Geno Smith all of a sudden putting it all together. He didn't put it all together. I mean, they had DK Metcalf, Gary Lockett as his wideouts. They had walkers, they're running back. They drafted well. The offensive line at the corners. I mean, it, everything was in place. Geno Smith was a decent system quarterback this year, did a good job. And if Geno Smith was smart, and I hope he is, I think I smart as far as negotiating a contract, I mean, he's going to basically settle with Seattle. He's not going to push the envelope. He's not going to ask for too much. Just, you know, and Seattle will come up a little because Geno Smith does have value to him. But there are a number of other guys out there that they could replace Geno Smith with and do basically what Geno Smith did. Okay? Yeah. I give Geno Smith credit. He had a heck of a year. But my point about Geno Smith, he was with the Giants. Why wasn't, you know, this version of Geno Smith, we didn't see him with the Giants. We didn't see this version of Geno Smith with the Buffalo Bills. We didn't see this version of Geno Smith with the New York Jets. He's been around forever, Geno Smith. He is, I mean, he's good, Geno Smith, for Seattle. He's good that he manages the game. He did a heck of a job, Geno Smith, this year. Yeah. So kudos to him. But listen, he's not a difference maker. He didn't exactly rally the Seahawks in the second half, you know, at a playoff game last week. But I'm sure Seattle will welcome Geno Smith back, offer him an okay deal. Now, far from being one of the highest paid quarterbacks, offer him an okay deal where maybe he'll be paid in the middle of the pack of quarterbacks, maybe, 
or maybe a little lower than that. And Geno Smith, if he has a guaranteed money, accept it. Because if you don't, where the heck are you going to go? Are you going to go to New Orleans and make a big difference? Are you going to go to the Falcons and make a big difference? Are you going to go to the Washington Commanders all of a sudden and make a big difference? And a lot of teams aren't going to bid on Geno Smith. They're not going to offer him any more money than Seattle would. Well, Excalibur, thanks for coming in. We enjoyed having you. Um, Jack, you know, I, I kind of disagree with you when it comes to Geno Smith. I don't think he's a system quarterback. I think he makes plays with DK Metcalf and and his other receiver there. I can't think of his name right now, um, number 16. I think he makes plays. I think I don't think he's just a system quarterback. And, he, and he's mobile too, Jack, which is important today. I mean, I could see him going to the Jets. I could see him going to the Jets again, and maybe, and maybe, uh, uh, maybe, maybe starting or playing for one year. I could see that happening. You know, a one-year thing. I mean, let's say hypothetically, the Jets decided we are seriously going to commit to Zach Wilson. Seriously, right? right. But he's going to start the year. He's going to be the backup. And we'll bring in a guy like Geno Smith as the starter. And if Geno Smith is struggling, gets hurt, we come in with Zach Wilson. This way, the expectations of the fans and the media are going to be a little less with Zach Wilson because he'd be coming into the game as a backup. So fans are less apt to boo a backup who comes in. Okay, They, they get on more a quarterback who's a starter, franchise quarterback, not getting it done. No, uh, Gino was a second uh, round pick. He wasn't the second overall pick, second round pick. So he wasn't considered quite an elite quarterback coming out of college. Uh, there was talk about him going very high in the draft. He is drafted, but he didn't go quite that high. And listen, Gino Smith's first year with the Jets, they went eight and eight. Right. And Remember at the end of the season, thinking to myself, do I want Geno Smith to continue to be the Jet quarterback? And I said, I don't know. You know whether he should be the future quarterback, meaning continue on with them for one more year and see how it plays out. They continued on with them, and he, you know, didn't didn't get it done. Yeah, yeah. So let's get to the to the next game, Jack. We had the Jacksonville Jaguars. An unbelievable um, – let me see. Let me sure I got this right. Yeah, the Jags with Trevor Lawrence. Unbelievable co- comeback. 31-30. Um, to 30, um, Trevor Lawrence uh, throws for four TDs but four interceptions too. Kind of reminds me of the guy from Tampa there uh, who, who used to – was 30 and 30. 30 interceptions and 30 touchdowns. Um, Jameis Winston. Yeah, kind of reminds me of his, his year. Um, and uh, – Listen, uh, you know, they they look great coming back. They look terrible in the first half. Um, San Diego's Herbert, he had a decent game. Um, you know, uh, what are your thoughts on that game, Jack? Do you think the Jags – I don't think they will. But do you think the Jags have a chance against Kansas City Chiefs? I'm the last person you should ask. I'm the least qualified person you should ask, Matt. Because I watched early in the day, I watched the whole Seahawk 49er game. And I watched the first half of the Jaguar Charger game. 
And I'm thinking to myself, I got three football games to watch tomorrow. I got to do the show in the morning. Then I got three NFL games to watch. I'm tired. I'm dozing off watching the Chargers dominating the Jags. Chargers got 27 nothing. You know, the Jags scored touchdown right before the half to make it 27 to 20. But it just looked like the Chargers were coasting. You know, they were going to win decisively. And I did something I rarely do. Very, very rarely. I went to sleep, Mac, at halftime. I shut off. I went to sleep at halftime because I figured, you know, I'm going to kick myself. Why do I want to be up an extra hour, hour and a half? to watch the rest of the game. It's inevitable the Chargers are going to win. Get up in the middle of the night, quickly check the score and say, you know, and the Jacks won. And, of course, then you regret not being up. Right. Okay? I usually don't do that, Mac, in all fairness. So I didn't see the Jack come back. I basically read about it. But from what I can gather, from what I could gather, the Chargers seemed to lose the game as much as the Jacks won it. I mean, yeah. they just had no offensive rhythm from what I heard, you know, and having a quarterback like Justin Herbert. And they even made moves to Chargers after that game. Uh, Joe Lombardi, the offensive coordinator, they let him go. Yeah. And, you know, Brandon Staley, their head coach, there was a lot of speculation the Charger head coach was going to be let go after the Jags game. He's going to get fired. There was speculation before the playoff game with the Jags, Staley was going to get fired if they lost. Right. And stay and they're obviously keeping Staley, but they fired a couple of assistants. Now Staley's saying, oh no, I never felt my job was in any jeopardy. I mean, really? He couldn't feel it was any in any jeopardy. They're firing his assistant coaches. Sure. And you know, and I, I don't want to hear he couldn't have felt his job was in jeopardy. And I don't want to hear coaches say, oh, they don't even think about such things. It doesn't even cross their mind. It's on their mind all the time, Mac. Right. I agree. So, Jack, if you're if you're San Diego right now. Los Angeles. Uh, well, uh, you know how I am. I'm old school. Yeah. So. If, if you're, if you're uh, Los Angeles right now. Do you feel good about what happened? I mean, do you do, do you feel that that this was uh, a good season, or do you feel that it wasn't a good season? <laughs> well, if you want to rationalize, you could say it was a good season because you made the playoffs. If you want to rationalize, because last year it came down to really the last play of the season where they came short, but no, it wasn't a good season. You know, especially the way it ended, if they played the Kansas City Chiefs, like let's say in Kansas City in the first round game, and they played a heroic game, and they lost 37-34, and they hung in the game all the way, and it was a thrilling game, you could say, yeah, yeah, all in all, we had a decent year making the playoffs, we overcame injuries. We battled a powerhouse team. He came so close to upsetting them in the playoffs. Now we're ready to go, go over the top. But they had a playoff collapse against the Jacksonville Jaguars, the, the team that who statistically was the worst team in the league last year, who got the number one draft pick. Come on, not against the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Jaguars were just thrilled to be in the playoffs. Right. They were the ones playing with house money. 
Jaguars could have lost and gone home smiling, happy, because they exceeded everyone's expectations. And to blow such a big lead, to blow a 27-0 lead against basically a novice team like that, like the Jaguars, I mean, that tarnishes the season really badly for the Chargers. I agree. I agree with that, Jack. So you got Buffalo versus Miami, Jack. Josh Allen. Uh, throws for 352 yards, uh, uh, but has two interceptions to go along with his touchdowns. Uh, what do you think about Josh Allen? I mean, listen, we all know he's a great quarterback, that he takes chances, and that's what makes him great. Great running the ball. He can uh, he can score running or throwing. Um, but do you have pause about them going up against Cincinnati now? It's a tough matchup, that's for sure. I mean, listen, Cincinnati nearly got beat themselves. Uh, I thought Buffalo was going to beat Miami decisively. I thought they were, they were going to make a bit of a statement. I never thought it was going to be as close as it was. Miami's defense hung tough. Uh, Josh Allen tried to force the ball in a number of times. And, you know, this looked like a case of Josh Allen at times trying to do a little too much, a little too much. I mean, when you have his type of talent, it's hard to play sometimes within the game, okay? You want to kind of take over the game. And we're talking about Brock Purdy before, and the reason Brock Purdy's been so good because he plays within the game. Josh Allen sometimes doesn't do that, tries to create a little too much, and has been successful doing that. Sure. Throughout his career, I mean, he tries to do things by force, if not passing. <clears throat> he's going to roll out. He's going to run. Has a great set of legs. I mean, knows when to go down. But there are always injury concerns because he's a very physical, tough quarterback. Uh, but Buffalo, I mean, they outlasted Miami. They, you know, Miami's third stringer, Skylar Thompson, he looked really good. Yeah. Look really, really good because I've seen him before a couple of games against the Jets, the week before against the Jets, and he didn't look like he could do much. I thought maybe he'd hit an occasional pass downfield, but throughout the game, for the most part, he showed great judgment. He showed great poise. He was able to roll out, knew when to get rid of the ball at the right way, hit some passes on the move, you know, created things. Great job by Skylar Thompson. And when you think of it, the Dolphins nearly upended the Bills with their third-string quarterback. Yeah. yeah. Think of that. Yeah. And, you know, um, you know, you mentioned uh, Miami, Skylar Thompson. I mean, the defense, uh, you know, came up with a big play uh, with, the, uh, with the fumble recovery in the end zone. Um, yeah. So, you know, I mean, what would, what would you think about Miami season? You think? They should feel good they made the playoffs, or you think they should feel bad that they didn't beat Buffalo? Uh, they should feel better than San, than, than, than I was about to say San Diego, the LA Chargers. Uh, Miami's season, you have you have to look at expectations, Matt, going into a season. See, some people were even saying the Chargers could go to the Super Bowl. Right. They were no one was really saying that about Miami. Miami was projected 
basically to do the way they did. They weren't picked to win the division, quite to win the division. I know when they got Tyreek Hill, there was excitement. So people were thinking in terms, well, maybe the Dolphins go around 10 and 7. Maybe they get the play a playoff berth. You know, people were thinking maybe that was it. They weren't thinking they'd be a 12 and 5 team. And the Dolphins finished at 9 and 8. They started really well. And then they hit this big losing streak. But then they win their last game against the Jets. And it, 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 that was a low-level game, believe me. Low, low-level game. They were lucky that the Jets is a matchup. And they basically, I don't want to say backed into the playoffs, but were very fortunate to get yeah. into the playoffs. And they won in the playoffs the year before. They were 9 and 8, too. They didn't make the playoffs. So they had the same record, but they made the playoffs this year as opposed to last year. But the way they battled Buffalo until the very end, you know, is a good feel feel for them taking into the offseason. They might look back and say, look, this year was a springboard to next year. It sets us up for next year. So in that sense, while the year itself, I wouldn't quote, successful they took they're taking something very positive out of this year at least unlike the charges right right so uh the next game i want to review is the giants at minnesota that's right craig my boys the giants uh quarterback daniel jones throws for uh for over 300 yards he's 24 35 he has 17 carries for 78 yards um you know, one touchdown was called back for a holding. That would have been another touchdown for him. Saquon Barkley uh, still doing his thing. One rushing TD, uh, one receiving. A great pickup with Hodgins from Buffalo. Uh, he turns out to be uh, a great player for us here. Um, so the Giants, Jack, they beat Minnesota. Um, Kirk Cousins has a solid game. I mean, he didn't play bad. Uh but he seems Kirk Cousins seems to come up small <laughs> in the big game or the big moment. You know, he, he doesn't throw the ball beyond the marker. He throws the ball short in the Giants. That's how they win the game. So, what are your thoughts on Kirk Cousins? Is is he a franchise quarterback uh, for the Vikings, or he's just a good quarter, very good quarterback? Uh, well, he has been their franchise quarterback. In all, in all, if you had to grade him. And you were given two choices, good or bad. You would say good. You know, is he a next-level quarterback? He could be. You know, you can't, but you can't say it with absolute conviction. I mean, like you said, the game against the Giants, uh, I, I forgot the word you just used. Did you say he had a solid game? Yeah, he was solid. He was good. Okay, I mean but there you go. You said it best, Mac. I want to hear, oh, Kirk Cousins had a really good game. Right. You're not, we can't say that. Right. He said he had a solid game. He did okay. I mean, but, you know, okay is good when your team is good enough. Right. And I know the Vikings had a excellent year as far as a one-loss record goes, but they won more close games than any other team in the NFL, more one-score games than any other NFL team. And Kirk Cousins, you want, he wasn't a difference maker, you know, against the Giants. You know, the Giants would score, the Vikings would come back, he'd do good things. 
but you kind of wanted more. It's like the guy who comes in and does work in the office, Matt, okay? You're the boss, you're running an office. The guy will do his job just enough what he's required to do, but there's extra work to be done and he's got time on his hands and nothing to do. You want him to do the little extra work and show me a great worker when it comes time to give you a bonus. No, he doesn't do the extra work. He just is basically doing what's required of him and not anything more. Now, that's that's kind of Kirk Cousins to me. The last pass of the game, that's going to... A pass like that's always going to be remembered. You know, it's unfortunate in sports, Mac. You can have a long career and one play could define you. That sure. people are not going to forget. Remember Carlos Beltran. He had a borderline Hall of Fame career, Carlos Beltran. Maybe he'll wind up in the Hall someday. But what people remember is when he was in New York Met, him taking a called third strike to end the deciding game in the playoffs. Right. How can you take one pitch, you know, is going to define him to a small extent in the minds of many. And people are going to say, no, no, that's not the case. But it is the case because people still talk about the pitch he took. They're going to talk about Kirk Cousins' fourth down game on the line, not throwing to the first down marker, dumping the pass off. Now, was it necessarily a bad play? He had his tight end isolated with one tackler. I don't like that play, okay? The only time I throw short of the first yard marker, if I have my receiver running fast, catching it on the go and needing a couple of yards and has his momentum going forward, maybe, okay? But, you know, but Cousins made it out well. He had to get rid of the ball. But he wasn't looking towards Justin Jefferson. Right. That's his, you know, key receiver. Yeah, I just didn't like it. But that one play itself showed a certain indifference in the minds of people. Well, he completed the pass. He successfully, you know, threw it to his tight end, and then it just came short. But how do you throw it short at the first down mark on fourth down with the game on the line? I, I don't get it. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Um, you know, so we've talked about this a lot. Of course, you know, we cover the Giants and, and the Jets and all of the Northeast sports teams. Uh, you know, we've talked about Daniel Jones. What do you think? Do you think he's a franchise quarterback? Do you think he deserves a big contract? And then Saquon Barkley. Is he, Is he? you know, should, should they hold on to Saquon because he's a running back? I know they both want to be back with the team, Jack, and I know the Giants are both interested in, in, in signing him. Uh, but what are your thoughts? Do they held on to Barkley? Do they sign Daniel Jones to a long-term contract? Well, I'll tell you this, Mac. They can only franchise one. Right. So if you sign Barkley to a long-term contract and you franchise Jones, you're risking losing him a year from now. In right. all honesty. Because if Daniel Jones puts two elite years together in a row, all of a sudden we can you know, revise our opinion of him as far as him getting elite quarterback money, okay? You never know. You know, the jury's still out in an extent on Daniel Jones. I know he's had an excellent regular season, an excellent game against the Vikings, but it's the whole body of work. And I'm not talking about before this season, this season. He's going up against the Eagles. 
if he should have a very poor game, okay, however you define a poor game, you've right. got to think to yourself, you know, going forward with Daniel Jones, how much you're going to pay him. But listen, Giants have to have Daniel Jones as their quarterback going forward because there are no better options out there. No better right. options at all. They could get some options that could fill in and maybe be successful quarterbacking the Giants. I mean, you like to say Derek Carr. I'm not the biggest fan of Derek Carr. You know, as a QB, Baker Mayfield guys on the market, you know. But but the thing about it is, I think the Giants situation, this is their strategy. They're going to want to sign Daniel Jones to a long-term deal. And when I say long-term deal... We're talking about three years, maybe four years they're going to want to do. And they're probably going to franchise Saquon Barkley next year if they can come to an agreement. But if the Giants are smart, sign both guys, go forward with both, because that's their offense, Matt. Jones and Barkley, that's the offense. Giants badly, badly need to pick up a high-quality wide receiver in the offseason. I agree. Definitely agree. Um, Cincinnati at Baltimore, Cincinnati, uh, they handled Baltimore pretty well. Uh, Burroughs throws, uh, for, for two TDs. He rushes for a TD. Uh, Chase Young has a big game. Baltimore, Tyler Huntley did okay. Um, you know, with 226 yards and, and, uh, two TDs and only one interception. Dobbs runs good. Um, you know, Robinson catches the pass. So, Jack, with with Burroughs, I mean, he's been hit a lot. His offensive line really doesn't protect him like he should. Uh, you know, uh, Nixon was disappeared during that game. So it was all him against Chase, him and Chase, basically against that Baltimore defense. Um, tough game against Buffalo, as we said. Do you think Cincinnati can beat Buffalo? Uh, yeah, yeah, I think they could beat them. I don't, uh, well, I'll, I'll withhold my prediction. Uh, listen, obviously Cincinnati could beat them. They're fairly evenly matched, the two teams. I mean, both right. have played, you know, pretty well this half of the year. No, since, with that game with DeMar Hamlin, had the, the DeMar Hamlin game that they stopped the game early, Keep, it was at Cincinnati. Cincinnati was beating Buffalo 7-3. to three. So Cincinnati really seemed to be up for that particular game. But against the Ravens, you know, Cincinnati's been winning each week. They beat the Ravens a week ago. They were stale in that game. You mentioned uh, Tyler Huntley. I don't think he had such a good game. I mean, the one big play of the game, they're on the one-yard line, and he's jumping up to extend the ball over the end zone, and the ball gets slapped out of his hands and returned for a touchdown. Think that was the game right there. The Ravens were about to go up seven points in the fourth quarter. Now they're down seven. Imagine that. Yeah. That was the game. Right. Yeah, I agree. One play. I but agree. how do you make that mistake? I, I don't get it. You know, you can't extend the ball so far out because you know everyone's trying to slap it out of your hand. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it's what it is. Uh, the re- interesting thing about the Raven players, Matt, there was a lot of talk about Lamar Jackson. He wasn't there. 
He should have right. been there cheering his teammates on. But after the game, his teammates were saying good things about him. They, they were actually saying, we would have won had Lamar been the quarterback. Sure. Okay. And they were saying, we hope Lamar gets his money, you know. And then they were saying, Lamar's been legitimately injured. People don't see, but we see it behind the scenes. So it seems from the few teammates that spoke out that they might actually have his back in that way. Or maybe there's just discontent they have towards the Raven organization. We're going to find out. But in any event, Ravens losing, I don't see them. They're going to franchise Lamar Jackson or trade him. I get the feeling they're not ready to give him the big deal. Me either. And 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 Craig's poking a little fun at me again about Galladay. Listen, Galladay was a big, huge mistake. And, uh, you know, I don't know what they're going to do. I have no idea what they're going to do with him. I Galladay guess. says he's buying in, Mac. Yeah. He's, gonna, he's all for the team. And uh, he's on the roster, right? Yeah. So yeah. Galladay is, who knows, maybe he becomes a fact against the Eagles. Uh, if, if you need a little history, remember early in the year, the Jets – sent Elijah Moore home from practice because he was complaining. He was moved to number six receiver on the team. I didn't understand that for the life of me. I actually agreed with Elijah Moore. What's Salad doing? I and mean, what's this organization doing? Elijah Moore making yeah. a receiver like him. They brought him back. And by the time the year ended, he was like the number two receiver, you could say, behind Garrett Wilson, where he should have been all along. Maybe right. Galladay... Re reclaims what was supposed to be his when he came to the Giants. So Dallas finally gets the monkey off their back. They beat Tampa Bay. Um, Dak has an excellent game. He had a little problems in the beginning, but he turns in with four touchdowns and one rushing TD. Uh, Pollard has a big game. His tight end has become a, a weapon for him. He caught two touchdowns. Um the, the kicker misses four field. We'll we'll get into that in a second. Well, yeah, extra points. Yeah. Yes, yes. Um, so it looks like that Dak has got his stuff together just in time, Jack. You know, they're going on uh to play the San Francisco 49ers, which will be a very tough game for them to win with that defense. Um, but you know, Dallas has has some weapons and they have a decent defense too. So what first year assessment of Dak, uh you know, he was hurt in the beginning of the year, comes back, and he looked pretty good. He looked really good, really, against uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Jack. Dak is a good quarterback. Yeah, yeah. I was never down on him. I always thought he was a good quarterback. He had some so-so games during this year. But right. he's a good, quality quarterback. You can make a strong case for Dak Wilson being a top-10 quarterback in the NFL. Not a top-5, but maybe a top-10. Right. Maybe, you know, if we go down every quarterback in the league, I mean, who would he actually be behind? I mean, you could put him behind Burrow and Herbert if you want. You could put him behind Mahomes. But, you know, he put him behind Josh Allen. But, you know, he's, I think, a top 10 quarterback, and he played like it. He yeah. was leading his team. There's a lot of bounce to Dak Prescott's step against Tampa Bay. But with that said, Tampa Bay – Highly overrated team this year. Highly overrated. I know they had injuries during the year, but when they got things together, it, you know, 
it, they didn't seem to be that good. I expected Dallas to win this game, and you know, and they did. Yeah, Craig chimes in with the defense, uh, made the pressure uh, a tad easier for Dak. I'll agree with that. And we'll see what he does when the game's on the line. And that's where Dak has had the problems in the past. Like Kirk Cousins, sort of. Um, you know, he had that big uh, issue last year with the time running out and he didn't get to rough the ball. So we'll see what happens. I mean, it's a repeat against San Fran. Hopefully uh, Dallas is okay. I don't like him, but I do respect the Dallas Cowboys. So uh, we'll see. Well, I'm going to ask you this, Mac. We're, we're withholding our predictions. Right. But – who would you trust more as your quarterback in a big game like this, Brock Purdy or Dak Wilson? Dak Prescott, I'm sorry. Right, right, right. I, I think I trust Purdy just because he doesn't make mistakes. That's the only reason. I think Dak, I think Dak is still prone to make Dak mistakes. Dak doesn't make a lot of mistakes. Uh, he's not that type quarterback. No, he's not reckless. No. I mean, I mean, he does still throw the occasional interception, Jack. I mean, you know, I mean, he's done a, don't get me wrong. He's played really good at the end of the year, but if I had to pick one one quarterback out of any quarterback right now going into uh, into the into the championship game, I take Purdy just because he doesn't turn the ball over. And that's well, 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 you, well, well, you take Purdy over any of the quarterbacks playing this weekend. I think so. I think so. Well, you take Purdy over Patrick Mahomes. Ah, uh, no. You take him over Josh Allen. You take yes. him over Joe Burrow. Well, yes. Well, 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 well. Not over. Purdy, Not oh, Alan, we're gonna Not have fun. I can't wait till the guys come on late in the week, Matt. <laughs> we are going to have fun with this. Okay, okay. That's, I, that's, but listen, you you can say that I misunderstood because I yeah. think you 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 kind of you misunderstood. But then again, Matt, you're the guy who picked the Giants to win the Super Bowl in the beginning of the year, yeah. and I was trying to get you to change. I was thinking this is an embarrassment. Yeah, so. yeah. You never know. Yeah. I mean. yeah, definitely. Listen, I know a little bit about football. Yeah, but with uh, Dallas, Mac, the thing too, I mean, you talk about what's a distraction on the news. We're talking before the show with Brett Mayer. There are right. uh, missing four extra points. And if you go back, he missed the last one of the regular season. So he's, he missed five extra points in a row. Right. It didn't affect Dallas against Tampa Bay because they took control of the game and it took Tampa Bay a while to score. So Dallas goes up 6 nothing, 12 nothing, 18 nothing, 24 nothing, when it should have been 28 nothing. Uh, so, after, and the kicker, you know, Brett Mayer had a good season. He made 50 out of 53 extra points, 29 out of 32 field goals, had a good year. So this is a proven kicker. Right. So what do you do, Mac? One terrible game. Do you move on from him? I mean, it, it's not like he missed four field goals in a row from like 45 yards out. Extra points, for the most part, have got to be routine. If he missed two of them, you can maybe excuse it to just a blip, or just a bad day, but four of them. And so what the Cowboys, after the game, Jerry Jones said immediately after they're not bringing yeah. in another kicker because they yeah. knew Mayer had a good year. They knew they had a quality kick in him, but right. they did. But they did sign a kicker, Tristan uh, Viscanio, to their practice squad. Viscanio has been with the Cowboys a couple of years ago, so he's on the practice squad. 
I think just in case during practice, Maz kicking terribly, then I, I don't think Matt plays against the 49ers. I think they actually cut him, perhaps. Yeah. That, you know, it sounds, it sounds wild, but, you know, it could happen. And we don't know what's going on on the practice field now. You know what, what, what confused me, Jack, a little bit during that game? And, and some other people, too, like, like Peyton Manning and, and, and Eli. Why didn't they go for the two-point conversion when your kicker is missing those field goals? I say after the first two, you can tell it's in his, you know, he's having problems. Why not just go for the two-point conversion? I didn't understand. No, Mac, I, I hate chasing the points. That's what coaches do. I, ha I hate doing it, okay? You keep going on two-point conversions. You know when you go for two-point conversion – when you can move the ball down the field, uh, you know, really, really well forcefully, you know, maybe you go for it. But I hate when they chase the ball. Look, they went up 6 nothing. Right. Okay. He misses an extra point. Okay. One of those things. You expect them to make the next one. Right. Now they score another touchdown. They're up 12 nothing. You expect them to make the extra point. Man misses it. Now they're twelve nothing. Now you're thinking about it. Yeah. On the next touchdown, but they go up eighteen nothing on the next one. Do you want to? You know, why chase the points? You're up eighteen points. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've seen it happen a lot of times. Coaches go for two point conversion too early in the game. You only go for two point conversions to me when you know you absolutely have to do it. When there's not a lot of time left to make up the deficit and you need that extra point. But I, but I see a point. Listen, the Cowboys indirectly did what you said late in the game for their last touchdown. The Cowboys had like a fourth and three and they went field goal range. They yeah. went for and they yeah. wound up scoring a touchdown. Yeah. They got a first down. They wound up scoring a touchdown. That's right. That's so right. I, I, my feeling is uh, had, you know, man made his extra points, they would have gone for a field goal in that situation. I also thought to myself at that point, Tampa Bay had the game well in hand. Oh, I don't know what Jack, Jack's out again, folks. He had a little problem coming in uh, earlier. I think he just... Come uh, There you go. You must have hit the cam, yeah. stop cam or something, so... No, 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 no. It's something connected. Yeah. Okay. All right. So he's back anyway, folks. Um, yeah. Yeah, Jack, listen, listen, I, I, I do agree for the most part uh, with what you said about uh, the kicker. I think he's going to be kicking for uh, the Cowboys during the playoffs. I think he's on a short leash, though. And as Keith says, you know, uh, this kid will be a mess. And he will be a mess if he continues missing uh, extra points. So yeah, you know, you know, you know, you never know with a game as crazy as football is. The Dallas had the game all wrapped up. Brady then hits a a, a long touchdown pass. You know, we got a you know a couple of minutes to go. Now they're cutting it down to a two touchdown deficit. You know, they made an onside kick and then hit a long pass. Right, and now. Taking another onside kick. Can you imagine they make it and then they get another touchdown? And no. now it's a one-score game. They're lining up for an onside kick again. I mean, it's a crazy scenario. 
but it could have gotten a little exciting at the end. It could have. It definitely could have. So the playoff games this week, uh, Dallas is at San Fran, as we said. New York's at Philadelphia. The Jags at KC. And Cincinnati's at Buffalo. Uh, let's start again with Dallas against San Fran. I think uh, I don't want to make a pick, but I think uh, San Fran uh, will pretty much have their way with Dallas, Jack. What do you think? Well, well, well Mac, 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 you're saying you don't want to pick. Well, we got to wait for Mac's prediction. Or... <laughs> you know, looking at at the games, I mean, this is the playoffs. Anyone can beat anyone else. It's not what they've done over the whole season. It's how good they are right now. That's right. the question. And, you know, sometimes things are a little bit of an illusion to us because we don't, we only look at the big picture. We don't see what got a team there. For example, the Buffalo Bills, I expected to blow out the Miami Dolphins, okay? Right. Uh, but the week before, the Bills are playing the New England Patriots. And the primary reason that the Bills won the game was because of two kickoff returns for touchdowns, okay? Right. Now, that's a rarity to return kicks for touchdowns, let alone two in a game. So if you eliminate those two kickoff returns... Was Buffalo really any better than New England for that game? If you want to look really? at it that way. But all we look on the surface, oh, the Bills took care of business. Okay? Right. And so if you eliminate the few big plays, how good is one team? Are they dominating another team? You know, so you don't know. And, and you know, we look at Jacksonville playing Kansas City at Kansas City. We look at Kansas City in a way like they're still the Super Bowl champions. They're the established team. They got the best quarterback in football, perhaps, in Patrick Mahomes. And we look at Jacksonville as being the young kid on the block. You know, they don't have much to lose. They don't this, they don't that. So we have images. Uh, images, yeah, Kansas City, the established team, should win. But are they really better than the Jags at this point. I'm not saying they are, they aren't, but I'm just giving an example. And that's how it is in all the games, even the Eagles and the Giants. A few weeks back, the Eagles destroyed the Giants at the Meadowlands, right. okay? But since then, have the Giants gotten a lot better? Have the Eagles gotten a lot worse? The Giants played their backups in the last regular season game against the Eagles, and they only lost by one score. Right. With their backups. And the Eagles needed that game to secure the number one seed. And the Giants were really weren't playing for anything because they were locked into the number six seed so they could rest their regulars. Yet the Giants gave the Eagles all they could handle in the game that was important to the Eagles. Now they're playing with the stakes really, really high in the playoffs here. Are the Giants, and I'm just talking out loud, are they as good as the Eagles right now? Are they actually a little better at this point? But we're going to be looking at the Eagles' record, what they did the whole year. And we're going to look at the Giants in a way like they're a 9-6-1 team. Well, the Giants aren't really that good. They're not this. They're not that. But they might be that good at this particular moment. And that's all that counts. I'm not saying they are. I'm just, this is all speculation. Right, right. Um, 
Yeah, listen, I mean, uh, you know, I think the Giants are a lot better than they were. I think the teams are a little, little bit more together. I think Philadelphia um, is, you know, has some problems at quarterback and some of their own other players. I think uh, we'll see even the, see if Jalen Hurts plays. I think he will, but there's talk that he might not. So we'll see what happens. Well, Jay, yeah, yeah. I mean, Jalen Hurts is supposed to be playing. Yeah. But yeah. Jalen you know, you have to think, is he going to be a little rusty? Because, you know, of inactivity, you know, the last few weeks. I mean, that's got to be a concern. And also, keep in mind, like Daniel Jones, Jalen Hurts is a running quarterback. He right. uses his legs to help him out. But when you have an injury, you know, a shoulder issue or any other issue, and you're very questionable, you're less likely to run. You're less likely to be voluntarily mobile the way right. you normally would be. Right. Folks, we're going to take a quick promotional break, a real quick one. We'll be right back on the other side. We got some more uh, NFL news to talk about. So we'll be back on the other side with that. Please stay with us and we'll be right back. If you like the sweet science, get ready to talk boxing on the Gloved Fist podcast with top boxing writers Frank Letirzo and Jack Hirsch. Frank, a former amateur boxer out of Philadelphia, writes for NY Fights and can be seen on the Boxing Channel. Jack, an amateur boxer who competed in the New York Golden Gloves, was a six-term president of the Boxing Writers Association. And now, here's Frank Letirzo and Jack Hirsch. He was a giant. And he was a cowboy. Now these two former rivals have joined forces to bring you the most insightful, perceptive, and controversial sports talk podcast in America. Former Dallas Cowboys defensive end Jim Jeffcoat locks horns with former New York Giants wide receiver Byron Williams. And now, here's Byron Williams and Jim Jeffcoat. Without LeBron, Lakers are, are struggling. Let me tell you about a team I hate, all right? I know the Dallas Cowboys fan is here, so I had to make sure he knew how much I hate this Oh, team. I'm ready. I've often said that the people who run baseball, they try very hard to ruin it. I'm from Brooklyn. I don't have a problem saying it to his face. Oh, Brooklyn. Hey, isn't he? It just might be the greatest sports franchise in the history of sports. A place where legends are made and there's always something to talk about. Get ready to immerse yourself in pinstripes. Start spreading the news, hosted by Paul Semendinger and E.J. Fagan. A couple of doctors with a prescription for Yankee fever. And now, here's Dr. Paul Semendinger and Dr. E.J. Fagan. Get ready to start spreading the news. This is a presentation of Northeast Streaming Sports. Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to the Mac and Jack Sports Show. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for all your comments and likes and all that good stuff. We appreciate having you. Uh, Jack, uh, let's start where we left off. I mean, uh, we've got uh, some news in the uh uh in the uh nfl you know i want to talk a little bit about the referees of course they've been making some pretty bad calls in some of the games uh, but i really liked i thought was the best referee crew i saw 
was Dallas versus Tampa Bay. There was they let them play. They didn't they didn't call too many penalties. They only called penalties when they absolutely had to. And I know that's something we normally don't talk about the referees, but they are an important part of the game. I mean, they can cause you to win and cause you to lose. And I don't know if you watched, uh, you know, Tampa Bay and Dallas, but I thought they did a good job, Jack. Yeah, I don't recall any controversy going on. Uh, there's so many questionable calls, especially you're watching the cornerbacks, whether they're grabbing or not. And one thing about football, whenever there's a great play made and there's a touchdown, we always wait. Is there a flag? We look yeah. around. And what gets me is when the flags take a while to come out. Sometimes it seems to take a few seconds. Either you're decisive or you're not. Uh, I hate to see a long run for touchdown or any long play for touchdown called back because of a flag. Unless you think there's a reasonable chance they wouldn't have scored without that assistance on the foul. You know, you see someone's jersey get grabbed. But did that really affect the play? If it was away from the play, I don't really want to see it get called, you know, unless it's something flagrant. Right. So, I, I mean, it's, it's a hard job. I mean, you know, it, it's a good question. Maybe we should have our debate show now. I always used to think the NBA basketball was the hardest game to officiate. Right. It might be, it might be football now. You might. You think of it. You let to compare what's a harder game to officiate based yeah, on, I, you know, basketball or football. Uh, it's it's thought provoking. It's a lot easier to uh, with replay, you know, you can slow it down to, you know, to uh, a to le- almost like a, a pitcher, right? Whether a guy fumbles the ball or whether it's an interception or reception. Uh, but the referees are seen in real time. So I do give them credit, even though I do, uh, I'm outspoken against them on some calls. But I do give them credit at that speed, being able to uh, make some of the good calls that they make, Jack. So. Yeah, you know, one of the calls, I think, was in the, the Bill game, yeah, against the Dolphins. Skylar Thompson was kind of hugging the sideline. Yeah. He didn't quite go out. And he got he got really knocked out of bounds hard. And they didn't call it. And I kind of right. like that. Because they don't have a rule, a deception rule with the quarterbacks. Like if the quarterback is going to fake like he's going out of bounds and decides not to, he can get away with that and do whatever he wants. And yeah. meanwhile, the guys pursuing him, they have to slow up because they can't hit him that hard. So I like the idea as long as he's in bounds, you take off your run, you're just another player. To me, you don't get the protection you know, of a quarterback. Yeah, speaking of protection, now I used to do this, so I know how this is. Uh, the kickoff returners, Jack, when they, when they, you know, that ball's kicked way up in the air, you're waiting for it to come down, and you decide not to make a fair catch. You decide to run it back. And the players just keep on hitting you and hitting you. The ref doesn't blow the whistle. Um, you know, people could get hurt doing this. And I wonder why they don't protect the kickoff returners, Jack, like they protect the quarterbacks. I mean, they're just as vulnerable waiting for that ball to come down. And and, and then players just, I mean, the whistle takes forever for them to blow. They wait till almost that the last guy hits them to, to, to uh, blow the whistle. I don't think there are many uh, calls by the officials on that. 
because the guy waiting for the punt to come down, he can call a fair catch. He can protect himself. Yeah, I'm and talking about they're football. really going to run into him. But yeah, you, you got to give the player running downfield sufficient time. You can't wait till a split second before the ball gets to you and then call for a fair catch. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I think the officials are mostly on top of it with that. I'm not going to criticize him for those calls. You know, certain calls are obvious if it's a face mask, but you know, a certain amount of calls are like inadvertent. You know, you, like you can't help it. You occasionally see a helmet to helmet call, but the player's already committed himself and the other player changes angles so their helmets hit. Yeah. And it gets called on a guy initiating the contact, but he really, what could he have done? He couldn't get out of the way. When you're running at a fast speed, sometimes you, you can't just slam on the brake that moment. But, right. you know, they're judgment calls. But, but listen, I see what the league is doing. They're trying to get it right because, you know, so many cheap shots could be taken if they weren't tight with these rules. Um, the Bucks are expected uh, to uh, uh, fire offensive quarter Lefowich. Um the offense. I think court. they have. I think they did. They're moving on from him. Did they? By did they? Yeah. I believe so. Yeah. They they never announced Mac that they're thinking of doing something like that. That's a bad. But they just do it. Yeah. They're moving on from left. Which, uh, could I tell you what's ironic about this? Go he ahead. was a head coaching candidate a couple of years ago as the offensive coordinator with the Bucks. You know, right. on the Brutarians. He was really, you know, you thought he would be a future head coach in the league. And Arian steps down, okay? And now you have, you know, Todd Bowles, who was a defensive coordinator with the Buccaneers, former Jet coach, by the way, as we all know. Who And Bowles and Arians, Arians is in the front office. They're very close, okay? Very close. The Tampa Bay offense struggled this year a bit. Yeah, yeah. And not, you don't know Brady's relationship with Leftwich. He doesn't have to say anything negative about him, but his performance on the field. The Buccaneers underachieved offensively this year. I know Brady put up some good numbers, but those numbers are similar to Derek Hart-type numbers. They're not impactful numbers with Brady did this year. Yeah, yeah. And you don't know the relationship, like I said, Bowles has with Leftwich. Said he may have been Arian's guy, but not Bowles. You know, sometimes you need to tweak things. Maybe, maybe the Buccaneers are doing this because they want to keep Tom Brady. And if they move on from Leftwich immediately, it doesn't allow Brady to start looking at other teams. They're telling Tom, we're going to get the offensive coordinator of your choice. Yeah. You can you and Tom. And that wouldn't be wrong. Mac, I know you hate stuff like that. You hate stuff like that. But if you have a franchise quarterback, if you have a Tom Brady, come on. Come on. He should be able to sit in, interview the offensive coordinator, and do the whole thing. You don't just treat him like another player. I, A Geno Smith... I wouldn't allow it to be in on the interviews, for example, a guy then, like where, that. Where do you stop? Uh, what quarterback do you stop with? So, so George Rogers, uh, Aaron Rodgers should be able to sit down on an interview with the with Aaron Rodgers shouldn't be allowed to do anything at this point. I'm okay. sick of the guy. 
Okay, but I'm just saying, saying, if you're you're an owner, would you allow? Joe Burrow, yes. Joe Burrow, yes. Justin Hurts, yes. Josh Josh. Allen, yes. Absolutely. Patrick Mahomes, yes. Those, listen, an offensive coordinator, if you got to listen to them call the play, (laughs) they can screw you up. I would rather have Patrick Mahomes call his own plays an offensive coordinator calling it for him. Listen, I agree with that. I mean, Patrick, can you imagine how it messes up a quarterback's head? I don't like this. I don't like that. John Elway had had problems like that, even with his head coach, Dan Reeves, at Denver back in the day. Most most quarterbacks, Jack, are able to call an audible on a line of scrimmage. Most quarterbacks, veteran quarterbacks, are, are, are able to do that. So, I mean, I, I agree with that to a point. I just don't think there's that that a, a quarterback who's, you know, working with the team, who's figuring out the strategy with the, with the coaches, that's, um, you know, that's working with his receivers. I don't think he should be out there uh, interviewing offensive coordinators. That's just not his job, Jack. That's not his job. That's not what he's hired to do. He's hired to go out there and run the offense. That's what he's. That's what he's. He's there to do. He's out there to re- re- work with the receivers. He's out there to work with the offensive line. He's not out there to interview. We don't have the time to do that. You know, you you're talking about the offense. You're talking about in the off season. <clears throat> They're not doing these things. The interviews take place in the off season. Don't you think? And I'm talking about. A handful of quarterbacks. I'm talking about the guys who you know are going to be franchise quarterbacks. You're counting on them the next 10 years. You know, franchise quarterbacks, they need a comfort zone. You want to know why, Mac? Those quarterbacks are not expendable. They're not expendable, okay? You're the Cincinnati Bengals. You know Joe Burrow is going to be there years and years. You know the Cincinnati just of course they could get hurt really? but you get an offense listen you get an offensive coordinator you don't like i'm going to give you an example mac we were talking about the office before you get someone who's a phenomenal worker running the office okay phenomenal okay and you know everything is organized now you're interviewing for like an office manager someone who's technically their supervisor you know, you want them to meet that person. You hire someone else, a supervisor, who can't get along with people. They're rigid in their ways. They're this, they're that. You break the morale. You, you know, listen, if I'm Patrick Mahomes, you hire the wrong offensive coordinator. You're screwing me up completely. I'm unhappy. And you mean to tell me I'm as the head coach and the GM. You just have to accept it. This is our guy, the offensive yeah, coordinator. Yeah, definitely I'm saying that. Oh, Absolutely not. Of course I am. And and meeting someone and interviewing someone, Jack, is two different things. You know, the, the course the quarterback's gonna meet uh with the offensive coordinator, that that makes sense. But as far as interviewing him, how are you gonna interview an offensive coordinator that's been around the league, say 20 years? You as a young quarterback, you're gonna interview him. You're sitting in on the interview process. I'm not yeah, talking me. about a rookie quarterback, okay? I'm right. talking about an established, and I'm only talking about the select few, the established 
iconic guys, okay? Mm -hmm. uh, Tom Brady. Tom Brady's got enough knowledge. He can be the offensive coordinator. You don't think Tom Brady can just be an, an offensive coordinator right now? I, I, Tom I, Brady should have a right to bring it. If, if you want him to be your quarterback next year, you want any, any elite quarterback to be your quarterback, you want him to have that comfort level with the offensive coordinator. You don't want to force anything on him. Listen, I, I think most quarterbacks should be able to call their, their plays, the ones that have been around a while. Yeah. I think, I think I they agree. all should. But I'm not, the only thing I'm saying here, Jack, is the offensive coordinator and the quarterback are two different entities. They're two different entities. And for me, anyway, if I'm if I'm a, a owner or a GM, I'm not gonna let no no quarterback tell me what to do. That's that's not your job. I pay you to be the quarterback. Tell what to do? They they wouldn't do that. But listen, you bring in an offensive coordinator who's wrong for that quarterback, now that quarterback's got to adjust to the offensive coordinator. The offense isn't running smoothly. I mean, you want the quarterback to be on the same page. Oh, you don't definitely. want the quarterback taking orders from an, an offensive coordinator. I'm talking about the elite guys. Right, right. I'm only talking about the few elite guys. I'm not talking about the rest. The guys who are your established quarterbacks, who you're extremely happy with in the position of quarterback, who you've made a big investment in in the future. Those are the guys, you know, those are the guys. I'm not even putting Lamar Jackson in that category. I'm okay. putting in you guys who you know are there. Let me emphasize that. Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, okay? Uh, Joe Burrow. I'm talking about the select few, okay? These guys are, are, are trending towards the Hall of Fame. They're high impact, okay? Quarterbacks like that rarely come along. You're not going to, if you, I, I find it absurd that you would risk, uh, not you individually, but someone would risk Messing those guys up a little bit, bringing in an offensive coordinator who's telling those quarterbacks, you have to do things my way, basically. This is what we're doing. And the quarterback tries to do it their way, but they're not happy. They're struggling. They're out of their comfort zone. In other words, you're making that elite quarterback to adjust to the offensive coordinator, not the other way around. Okay. Say I agree with that part. Say I agree with you there. So, give me give me your thoughts on this. Should Daniel Jones be able to call his own play? I'm a believer in the established quarterback. I actually, yes. Wow. I'm going to say yes because wow. Daniel Daniel Jones can run. He's got great legs. You want the quarterback and the offensive coordinator to build up this great relationship. Okay, right. great relationship that uh, helicopter. They're looking for you, Jack. <laughs> yeah, a great relationship in which they know what the game plan is, and right. you want the quarterback to have faith in the offensive coordinator. He might say the quarterback. He might be so close to say, "No, no, call in the plays if I don't like it." 
or the offensive coordinator could say to Daniel Jones, could I do this, 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 this? You mind me sending it in? You just want to call it. You want me to assist you what you want. You want there to be a high level of respect. If there's not a high level of respect between the, uh, if your quarterback like Daniel Jones doesn't have much respect for your offensive coordinator, then there's a problem. Unless the offensive coordinator has a proven track record over the years, a very successful track record, and the quarterback isn't that established, then the quarterback really should be told by the head coach, you got to listen to the offensive coordinator. But Daniel Jones is getting to the point, yeah, I feel he can call his own plays. He can, but Daniel Jones, I wouldn't, yeah, I think now if the Giants are going to invest in him, make him their franchise quarterback, okay? Sign him to a three, four-year deal. If they're getting a new offensive coordinator, let's say, let's hypothetically, Daniel Jones should be on the interview process because those two are going to have to work hand-in-hand hand very closely. See, the biggest problem, and it goes both ways, with uh, the offensive coordinator calling the plays or the quarterback calling the plays. Again, I, I call my own plays. The biggest problem is normally the offensive coordinator sits in the booth and he can see the whole field. Quarterback can't, right? The quarterback can't see uh, uh, what's going on because he's under pressure and he's, you know, he's, 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 he's blocked with the linemen sometimes. So it's hard for him to see the whole field where the offensive coordinator can see. Conversely, the offensive coordinator is not there on the field when the players come and say, you know, I can beat this guy. I, I can beat this guy. I beat him a couple times, you know, throw me the ball. So there, there's two different trains of thought there, Jack, right? I mean, are two different ways of thinking. A quarterback on the field can't see everything. The offensive coordinator can see everything. So that should figure into the play calling too also. Yeah, we could beat this over and over, Mac. I think we've pretty much covered this topic, but I'm just going to end it with this. Uh, the guy who you think was the greatest quarterback of all time, Johnny Unitas, I think you yeah. think he was the best. Oh, close to it, okay? Yeah. Johnny, you always called his own plays until Don, you know, he called his own plays when Weeb Eubank was the head coach. They won a couple of NFL championships. And then when he was coached by Don Shula, Don Shula decided to send in plays once in a while. Johnny Unitas was furious. He didn't like Don Shula. The nerve of him to send plays in for me, the gray, you know, right. Johnny U. And Johnny U didn't yeah. like it. And I remember one of the players being quoted. He couldn't understand. He said, imagine sending in plays for Johnny Unitas. Right. That was the mindset at right. the time. Yeah, yeah. well, uh, back then, Jack, most of the quarterbacks called him. Darken and Bradshaw. Yeah, yeah. And I listen, yeah, a quarterback knows as much as any offensive coordinator. He has to feel that, but the offensive coordinator said to help him. But in summing it up, you do make a good point. The offensive coordinator from upstairs can maybe see some things that the quarterback, you know, doesn't. Right, right. Um, <clears throat> NBA, Jack, I mean, you know, it's very early in the season. I just want to give you a, a brief rundown of it's not that early, Mac. We're about at the halfway point. Uh, That's true. That that early. It, that it feels true. early. It's one by quick. It does. It really does. Uh, the Celtics, still the best 
in the NBA at 33 and 12. Uh, they're pretty much dominating the East right now. The Nets are up there. Uh, they're playing okay. They're at 27 and 15. Milwaukee. Well, Kevin Durant's hurt, so they got to right. hold on. Right. Uh... Right. Milwaukee at 28 and 16. Philadelphia, 27 and 76 with MB coming back. Uh, Cleveland, your team, 28 and 27, about 500. Um, no, 27. No, 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 28 and 17. No, 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 28 and 18. Okay, my yeah, bad. Yeah, yeah, we mean 500. 10 games over 500, Matt. Well, the, the team almost for 500. The Knicks are 25 and 20. Um, Miami, 28 and um, 21. Uh, the Pacers at 23 and 22. Atlanta, 22 and 22. Chicago, 20 and 24. Jack, the Atlanta. Atlanta Hawks last year had a good season. Um, this year they're really struggling. Uh, they didn't really have a good season last year. I got yeah, they had a playoffs, right? They won a they won a series. Right? No, no, no. They lost the year before. They made a run towards okay. you know the okay. final. Won a couple of series. They upset the six. They beat the Knicks right. and upset the Sixers. Right, right, right. Yeah, last year they were disappointing actually. Right. Uh, Boston good enough to win the championship, Jack. What? <coughs> Excuse me. Someone has to win it, Matt. <laughs> yeah, Celtics have a shot. Look, they won the finals last year to Golden State to six games. Right. You wonder who's going to win it. There's such parity in the NBA, Matt. There's so many teams that can win it. I think the Celtics are far from being a powerhouse team. They, you know, they're carried in large part by Brown and Tatum. Smart contributes some guys off the bench. But, uh, you know, we don't know who's going to put it together. Right now, the Memphis Grizzlies, they've won 11 in a row. Right. And all of a sudden, the Grizzlies are the hottest team. Let's say the playoffs began today. I mean, the Grizzlies would have as good a chance as anyone. And I think that's your answer. When the playoffs are beginning, Who's playing what? How well are they playing? Look, uh, you know, the team I picked to win the NBA championship, they're one game under 500, the Minnesota Timberwolves. Yeah. Call Anthony Towns is out, though. Let's say by the time the playoffs roll around, Call Anthony Towns is back, playing well. The whole team is gelling. Yeah, they could go on that type of run to the championship. I picked the Cavaliers to come out of the East in the finals. And they're one of several teams who has a legitimate chance of doing it. And the Cavaliers are just going to get better as we go along. A team like the Philadelphia Sixers, they're 28 and 16 right now. They're always in the mix. I don't see them winning it, you know, because... Uh, James Harden, I just don't think he can sustain it anymore. He comes up with one really good game, and then he's flat another game. Yeah. You know, he'll go four for 17, and then he'll get 12 assists. Who cares? You shot four for 17. Who cares about the assists? That's a pretty overrated, you know, stat, by the way, in my view, the, the assists. What is it? You're passing someone else the ball for them to score? Yeah. Oh, I get an assist. I gave them the ball. Oh, you know, I mean, uh, I mean, what is that? That's like you go to a ball game and you buy something from the vendor that's being passed down the aisle and you want to be given credit because your hand came in it and you handed the guy his food. I mean, come on. I hear you. <laughs> I hear you. Um, 
you know, you, you know, we we took we cover the Nets Knicks here because you know they they are from New York as of the Nets. Um, Knicks right now, Jack, are they better than the Brooklyn Nets? Are they? Are the? Are the? Are the? Say that Knicks, again, Matt. Are the Knicks better than the Nets right now? Uh, no. Okay. No, Durant is out. Keep in mind the Nets are playing really well. Uh, the Nets' two best players, Durant and Irving, are better than anyone on the Knicks. Either guy, if you want to get technical about it. I mean, forget the drama surrounding Irving. When he's serious and he's balling, he's better than Julius Randle. He's better than Jalen Brunson. He's better than R.J. Barrett. Well, eliminate the drama. I'm not saying... You should rather have Irving more than them because of his off-the-court issues, the things he might say. Durant's certainly better than anyone on the Knicks, and it's not even that close, in all honesty. Yeah. Yeah. But the Knicks, the Jalen Brunson pickup, he's played at a high all-star level this year, yeah. and it's very good for the Knicks going forward because if you could keep that core intact, a Brunson, R.J. Barrett, and Julius Randle, maybe the best way to take the Knicks to championship level is just add to that. Don't look to make a deal where you're breaking that up, where you're trading R.J. Barrett. Maybe right. just add to that, right. okay? Uh, maybe there's a free agent, you clear space, you know, salary space. And as you go along, there'll be another really good, good, good free agent, you could sign and add to that mix. Yeah. You know, maybe a draft, and maybe one of the young players takes off. You know, maybe someone like Toppin fulfills his potential. Or you get someone from another team that can kind of fall into your lap. But the way the Knicks are now, they actually are better than average team. Can they make the playoffs? That's the question. Uh, I don't know, but I'm telling you, looking at the teams here now, the, if the season ended, the Knicks would be seventh, or they're tied for Miami for the last playoff spot. But the teams behind them, no one. How many teams are going to catch them for playing spot? Atlanta, maybe. Indiana, no. Chicago, maybe. Toronto, maybe. There are a bunch of maybes, but chances are the Knicks finish ahead of those teams. And can they move in for a playing spot? They're not going to beat out Boston. They're not going to beat out Milwaukee. I don't think they catch Philadelphia. I don't think they catch Brooklyn, you know, with Durant coming back. Yeah. Uh, you know, they, they're they not going to catch Cleveland. Maybe Miami. You know, maybe they can still nab a playoff spot. And if they win one playoff series, what free agent could be out there who the Knicks could, deal, you know, make a deal and get? You know, you kind of like wonder, yeah. you know, but... But getting Brunson meant a lot to the franchise. Oh, it did. It did. It definitely did. Um, the standings in the West Denver, Minnesota, the Kings, um, Dallas. You have uh, the Clippers, Minnesota, and Utah in the top uh, in the top ten. There, no Los Angeles Lakers, Jack. No, no. Uh, you know, former late. You know, uh, I think of LeBron. He was former actually Cavalier head coach two times in his system with Golden State. Mike Brown, he's done a heck of a job at the Sacramento Kings. Oh, yeah. Sacramento Kings were considered for a long time one of the weaker teams in the NBA. Now, 
right now they're in the third place, okay, in the West. And they're only 25 and 18. So a lot of teams don't have really good records in the West. Uh, but the Lakers are always a compelling team because of LeBron. He's been trying to carry the team single-handedly. Yeah. LeBron has been phenomenal at his age, the things he's been doing. He has been phenomenal. Sometimes you get an athlete, Tom Brady in football, LeBron in, in basketball. They stretch the clock. But considering how physical basketball is, uh, but but you're looking there. You know, you're waiting for Golden State. They're 22 and 22. And in the seventh position right now, is Golden State going to put it all together, the defending champions, and make a surge? You know, they very well might do it. It's this Denver's 32 and 13, but they always get eliminated in the playoffs. Is this the year that Denver's going to put it together? We talked about Memphis, very dangerous, a team yeah. with a lot of enthusiasm. And New Orleans, they're the fourth seed right now, but I'm going to tell you, if Zion Williamson can come back healthy and stay healthy throughout the playoffs, he's a monster. Oh, yeah. He's a monster. And we sometimes see stories, Mac, redrafting draft classes. And if you can redraft that draft class, Jay Morant and Zion Williamson, Williamson went one, Morant two. A lot of people might flip-flop and take Morant first ahead of Williamson. But I'm going to tell you, if you can guarantee me both are going to be healthy, I unhesitatingly take Williamson ahead of Morant. I don't. I don't have to hesitate. I don't have to analyze it. I, and Morant is great. Williamson is better. But the injury factor might give me pause to go with Morant, possibly because of that. But well, Williamson I, was the right pick. I like Morant because he can score from anywhere. Kind of reminds me of uh, of a of a young uh, Durant. I mean, he can he can shoot from the outside. He can get up in the air and make some unbelievable dunks. He can block shots. Williamson Williamson is still that older, the older center, right? The I, even though he doesn't play center, he uh, you know he's under the basket most of the time. So I I do like Morant better uh, than than uh, than Zion uh, Zion. More, more. I like him better. Yeah, I like him better than that. Just because he he can score from the outside. He's more a today game uh, kind of guy. Zion can do everything. He he's shown he can play point guard. You need him. Yeah. He does yeah. not a thing he can't do on the court. Zion Williamson is the closest thing to LeBron James. Okay. LeBron can do anything on the court, can play any position they need him to. LeBron can post up and play center if they needed him. He can be power forward if they need him. He can play point guard if they need him. The same with Zion. He can do <clears throat> everything. And Morant, what he does, he's outstanding doing. You know, but listen, the injury factor with Zion, that's the biggest concern. He's out right now. But if he's healthy throughout the whole playoffs, I think people are going to give the answer how great Zion Williamson is because New Orleans is going to be very hard to stop. I, I think New Orleans has a real good shot at going to championship, Jack. NBA games today, you got Chicago at Detroit, Golden State at Boston. That should be a good one. Uh, you have, uh, it looks like, Toronto at Minnesota, Philly at Portland, and the Nets uh, at Phoenix. Um 
Looks like some good games, Jack. I, I like the Golden State Boston matchup the best, though. I like to see if Golden State can get their stuff back together or if Boston can dominate Golden State. That'll be pretty interesting to me. Yeah, you know, you, you mentioned the Phoenix Suns, Mac. Yes. What happened to the Phoenix Suns? They had the best regular season record in the NBA last year. I know. Get up in the play, and they're 21 and 24 this year. And injuries know. haven't even seemed to be a fact that they're just not playing well. What happened to them? And then you get, you know, the Clippers with the KY Leonard experiment. They're 20 and 25. That's a, a franchise that's just not working out. Yeah. You know, San Antonio, San Antonio's 14 and 31. They've struggled, you know, on the coach pop. I think they made the play, play in the year before last. But uh, they're clearly in the rebuild in San Antonio. But I don't want to hear this nonsense. Oh, this shows Coach Pop isn't really that good. He doesn't have Tim Duncan and these guys. You speak to all those players, okay, with the exception of K.Y. Leonard, who played for Coach Pop in San Antonio. They loved him, loved playing under him. He was the perfect coach to lead them to five NBA titles. And they never won back-to-back titles, meaning they showed that they were resilient, you know, on the coach right. pop. But the truth is, no matter how great a coach you have, if you don't have the talent on your team, you can't win. You can only milk so much out of the players. How long does Popovich continue to coach, Jack? To me, he's the Bill Belichick of the NBA. You let him stay virtually as long as he wants. Unless there's a a true feeling the game has passed him by and he doesn't have control of the team. Right. Yeah. You let let him coach. This is Coach Pop. Come on. Were the Packers ever going to, if he lived and he stayed with them, were the Packers ever going to move on from Vince Lombardi to fire him? Sometimes there's a new ownership, and you need a fresh start. I, I understand. Look, it happened with the Cowboys with Tom Landry. Jerry Jones took over. New owner, Tom Landry wasn't going to be coached that much longer anyway. They were coming off a 3-13 and season, the Cowboys. Yeah. I can understand sometimes you move on. If you're a new owner, you sometimes have to make that decision. So if the San Antonio gets new ownership, Mac, and they have a dynamic young coach then. You think Coach Pop, he's only going to be there a year or two more. You know, sometimes you even move on from an icon. I, I can understand that. But under normal situ- circumstances, I don't want to hear fans in San Antonio complaining about Coach Pop. And I haven't heard it yet. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think uh, some Dallas fans are still upset with the way Jerry Jones treated uh, Tom Landry. Uh, the way he just cut him like that after, you know, that guy was, he's a legend, Hall of Famer, I think. It's I think. a sensitive subject. You might want to move, move a guy like that to a front office position where he has to say, okay. there's no easy way of doing it. But I think they were upset the way Coach Landry maybe found out, you know, he yeah. found out the newspaper. It yeah. was handled a really wrong way. What Jerry Jones should have done in the very beginning if he knew he was going to make a move, you sit down one-on-one with Coach Landry, say, look, you know, I want to move on, this and this. You've been there. You're only going to be a couple more times. I can work out some 
maybe you work out some financial package with them or you know you just you ask them what do you, how are we going to work this out right you know i do want to move on i do want to have my own guys there coach landry may have tried to talk them out of it but he you know it, it, it's such a tough situation, Matt. What's a new owner to do if you have your own guy you want to bring in? You're starting a new... It's basically yeah. you're entitled to bring in your own guy. Yeah. But again, yeah. replacing a legend so to just move on from him, it makes you look cold and heartless. But I think right. it's got to get addressed like off the bat. You have to sit down and figure out what can I do to make the transition in as easy as possible. It's right. it's hard. Chances are Coach Landry wouldn't have made it easy for Jerry Jones. He would have said, I want to stay on. If you want to fire me, fire me. You know, it's... Yeah, yeah, yeah I agree with that. Um, college uh, basketball rankings. March Madness is, what, a couple months away? I know you love March Madness, Jack. Yeah, so, well, everyone likes it, yeah. Yes, yes. So... Uh, you know, right now, some teams you do, you do, you haven't seen in the top ten in a long time, Jack. Uh, Georgia, fifteen and zero. TCU, thirteen and two. Michigan, thirteen and one. Ohio State, eleven and two. Alabama, eleven and two. Tennessee is 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 a team that's been there before, eleven and two. Penn State, eleven and two. Uh, Washington, eleven and two. Uh, I think that's Lafayette. Uh, is 18 and 2, uh, or rather at 15 and 4. The Southeast Conference, Jack, they're starting to take over basketball too. They got football, and now Georgia, uh, you know, uh, in, in, in Alabama, I mean, they're in the top 10. So they're not just, they're not just good at football now, they're good at basketball too. Yeah, that would be phenomenal. Imagine Georgia, Alabama wins the NCAA title. Alabama's been a little more of a force, if you could call it that, in college basketball than Georgia, you know, recent years. Uh, yeah. They've shown potential like they would take the next step, you know, in the NCAA tournament, but haven't really done it. Uh, I'm going to tell you, imagine Alabama, Georgia wins the NCAA title. Do you think basketball could even approach football and popularity in those universities no i don't approach think so. it, come close being nearly as popular maybe i maybe it'll be in the discussion i would think i think they would be talking about it on campus uh, maybe like, for a week yeah yeah maybe for yeah, a week. i think that the day after they'll be just as popular right right but i yeah i think i think you're right i think that the, the students and and the, the teachers would would be uh, excited about Georgia or Alabama winning the national, uh, the basketball national championship game. So I, I think that would be pretty cool. And if they won the uh, NCA uh, NCA championship football game, oh my God, it would be party all year. Let me let me ask you this: Imagine the student body at Alabama who are big sports fans. They have to sit down and vote. They have a choice for the upcoming seasons. You can only have one. Alabama wins the NCAA basketball tournament or or Alabama, you know, wins the playoffs in football and they're number one in football, they regain their throne. You can only I, have one. The other no, team I, is a non-factor. I'd have what to go with, vote for. 
I, I think they'd fo- vote for football. There's nothing like football. still football, exactly. Even yeah. though they've won so much in football, yeah. they'll want it again. Georgia, I can understand they might want a three-peat, three in a right. row. That's some accomplishment. So if I'm a student, I would vote for Georgia probably, you know, over basketball. Yeah, for sure. Oh, but yeah. in Alabama, you've won so much with football. Wouldn't it be bigger news that the basketball team wins it one year? But but they're so ingrained in the football culture oh, that, oh, yeah. yeah, I think football gets the vote of the student body by, yeah. by an overwhelming margin, actually. You see, you see, like Michigan. Michigan has not won the national championship in I don't know how many years, Jack. But their basketball program has always been really good. So I think they would be more excited in Michigan. Oh, football, absolutely. Right. Right, right, because because it just it's just football still king. No matter what you say or what you do, football, especially uh, down south with college football, will always be king as long as the teams are playing well. Football is king nearly everywhere. If right. you compare, not not in Duke. I think Duke would yeah. rather basketball. They yes. vote for that over football. Yes, okay? I mean Duke. Duke's football program has just started getting good. You know, it just started. The, the football program has just started to turn around a little bit. But basketball is ingrained in Duke. That's North it. Carolina would, you know, they would vote for basketball. Yeah. You know, you think, but I notice a pattern. The ones that have already had the elite college football programs uh, traditionally, they'll yes. vote for, you know, they'll vote for football. Even the ones that haven't been elite for years, take like Nebraska, they right. would vote for football over sure. basketball. Listen, USC, they would vote for football. UCLA, who had great tradition under John Wood and all those years, they would vote for football. Tough one. That's a tough one, Jack. That's a tough I one. Think tradition. Football, USC, I mean, UCLA, if they had a choice, the fans, the student body, to pick one or the other, tradition. would they? There's that tradition going back in time, winning NCAA basketball only yeah. because of the old time tradition with Lou Alcindor there, you know. Yeah. Now yeah. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, of course. Yeah, I think uh, they, I think they go with basketball. I think they would. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. they've had a football tradition. Yeah. But the, but the basketball tradition is just unbelievable. That's one of the best programs in the history of college basketball. So I think they would they would ride with that. Uh, a little of the sports news. Jack Celtics player and coach Chris Ford. Uh, he dies at 74 years old. He's the first player to ever make a three-point basket. A lot of people think there's always been three-point. There hasn't. They just put that line in there, I think. Uh, I think it was what the NBA, Mac, Mac. Yeah. Remember, the three-point shot was invented by the ABA. Right. When they went into business, okay? Right. And I remember Red Auerbach ridiculing the three-point shot as being nonsense, you know, and what it's worth. But the three-point shot on the professional level was made by ABA players and professional right. ball. But right. Chris Ford first one is officially as an NBA player. Chris Ford, my memory of being a really good team player on those Celtic teams with Larry Bird, Robert Parrish, you know, Kevin McHale, Dennis Johnson, you know, Casey Jones, the coach, 
You know, yeah. he was a nice Danny Ainge, but he was a nice contributor to those teams, you know, those excellent Celtic teams, uh, right. especially one of the, I think it was the 86 Celtics considered by some people to be the greatest team greatest. of all time. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, listen, uh, 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 I guess, you know, I don't remember, really remember the guy, Chris, I really don't remember him, uh, but Hey, listen, he, he left his mark in basketball. Um, yeah. So, Jack, that's a, that's about it for today's show, folks. Tomorrow, we won't be on because of some. I have some medical issues, and I won't be able to be here to to, uh, to host the show with Jack. So we'll be back Saturday, though, with our debate show with Doc uh, Doctor Paul Semendinger. I think uh, the Philly sports guy will be with us. So we always have a great time. And sometimes it gets a little hostile. Uh, join us at the debate show, um, uh, and then after that. We will carry. We'll make our picks on uh, Saturday's games, and then we'll be there for my favorite show, and I think Jack's favorite show, the NFL Big, uh, our big show uh, on Sunday. So, uh, got a couple days. Join us, join us, folks. We love to have you. Love to hear your comments. Love to get you even involved in our picks. So, folks, you have a great day. We'll see you on Saturday. Uh, Jack still down in Florida. I don't know when he's coming back. I think Jack is staying down in Florida. I don't think he's ever coming back to New York. I don't blame him. Uh, no, no, I'll be back. I'll be back. Okay. All right, I, Jack. I go back and forth, you know. Yes, yes. Jack's got that. See, I pay him a lot of money. He has two houses and everything. I only got my one apartment. I got to start uh, paying myself as much as I pay Jack. So, folks, have a great day. And we'll see you Saturday on the Mac and Jack Sports Debate Show. Have a good one, folks.